Hi, this is Vanya. I'm a depth psychologist, a writer, a teacher, and a storyteller. And this is Belonging to the Wild. We are here to fall in love with our lives. Not our lives as commodities to be liked, or as products to be improved, or as resources to be used. But our lives as tender, wild creatures handed to us, entrusted into our stewardship when we were born. We're here to learn every day a little bit more how to hold those wild creatures in our arms and say, I am here loving you. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Hi, and welcome to our first episode. This is Vanya, and today we're going to talk about seeds, these magical small containers that are buried that hold new life, and that break open when the time is right. And we're going to talk about what's been buried in our lives and what might be awakening in our lives right now. I was once visited by a dream that taught me about burial, about cunning. This dream showed me something about courage and about the secret of seeds In the dream, I was about 12 years old, and my very best friend, my closest companion, was this large, beautiful polar bear. We roamed the land where I grew up, and we were always together. But the village feared bear, and one day, down the hill from my childhood home, the community cornered us with torches and pitchforks, kind of like a Disney movie when the the villagers come after the beast. They were afraid and they would attack and conquer bear. I was so frantic with fear and desperation and with arms stretched out, I placed my body between the people and bear. He's not dangerous, he's my friend. I kept yelling and crying and begging them not to hurt bear. But finally, this beautiful, enormous creature became afraid as well. And as I pleaded with the villagers, Bear stood up on his hind legs and gave the biggest, most frightening roar. And I became afraid. I was afraid of Bear. I ran away. I ran up the hill and into my house, and from the window of my house I watched, weeping, as the community attacked Bear, my truest, my closest friend. I wept, and I felt helpless and ashamed. And from the little window in my living room, I watched as Bear rolled in the mud on the ground. And I watched him be slowly turned into the color of the earth, slowly hidden as his white fur was covered in mud. Play dead, I whispered to Bear from my window as I wept. Play dead. I knew that playing dead, hidden in the mud of the earth, was the only way Bear would survive. Play dead. I begged, play dead, play dead. It's been many years now since this dream visited me. And now I know that bear, what was most precious and knowing and true in me, did not die. 
Bear only waited, like a seed buried deep in my own heart for a time when it would be safe to thrive. Sometimes what is most true and most precious in us will turn to seed, buried in the dark, not because we are weak, not because we've failed, but because of a deep faithfulness to our own survival, because of an ancient crow knowing that shows us how to be held safely until we can be reborn into the world. I grew up in an intentional religious community in southeastern rural Brazil, in a brick house on the top of a small hill. And the house was nestled in a cluster of other bigger buildings that housed our community. And every morning at 5.30 a.m., somebody's job was to run down the hill and ring a bell. And by bell, I mean a large rusty pipe that hung from a wooden pole. And this person would take another rusty pipe and hit the hanging pipe as hard and loud as they could. And this was our bell. This was what woke the community. It was a ritual of waking to seek God before the sun rose, a communal rolling out of bed in the dark into communion with something greater. From my room at the top of the hill, I would begin to hear all the sounds of the waking community singing, praying, crying, laughing as hundreds of seekers found their secret little places to reach out to God. It was magical in many ways. I loved that messy cacophony of sounds of humanity and divinity and emotions and song that would roll up the hill past the banana leaves that were outside of my bedroom window and into my room. In so many ways, this shedding suited my naturally contemplative nature really well. I, it gave me a way of being in the world. And I loved living the devotional life. I loved living in community. I loved being connected to the unseen worlds. My small child's heart basked in the sense of purpose and meaning and service that permeated our worldview and our days. And most of all, I loved these images that filled me with a sense of wonder and a sense of connection to something unnameable. Um, there were so many ways where I was offered a way of sensing the unseen depths of, of the world, and I loved it. And also, these treasures came with a lot of instructions. And these instructions were written on stone, right? And these stones were heavy, and they cast long shadows. Even as I devoted my life to mystery and that sense of being connected, I also did it from a too small space. The meaning and the purpose were singular and narrow, and the one way was etched in everything that we said and did. 
And the one way offers a certain safety, right? When we're told this is the one way you should be, you should live, you should believe, you should see the world, you should feel. There's a certain comfort and safety in that. And also unyielding walls. The interesting thing about walls is that they simultaneously keep things out and in. And this is how what keeps us safe might also become our prison. All this to say that when I was born, I was handed many instructional stone tablets who, that told me who I was, what I was supposed to do with my life, who I was meant to be, and how I was meant to be in the world. And everything that wasn't written on those tablets was made into seeds, was buried until the time was right. Bear had to play dead, covered in mud. We've all been handed shoulds in our lives, right? We've all been born into a certain paradigm of expectations about what we should be, what shape our lives should take, how we should express ourselves, what we should desire, what we should value above other things. And what the dream helped me feel really viscerally and has helped me understand since is this beautiful part of our nature that takes what isn't safe, but what is integral to us, to our thriving, and can sometimes bury it deep in the soil of our own lives, where it waits until the time is right to awaken, to break out of the safety of that little seed. When the air and the sun and the weather and the winds reach their tenuous agreements and the little seed knows it's time to break open and let that life that's been hidden for so long be free and to grow. And the seeds planted in our lives can hold so many different uh, mysteries, different parts of us. Maybe it could be something like a child saw and felt so much, and that wasn't acceptable in their environment. They were required to be unseeing and unfeeling. And planted in the seeds in their life is this deep superpower of being able to see through and beyond the overt and to feel into the truth of the matter. Or maybe it's somebody who longed more than anything to spend their days painting and instead is spending their days crunching numbers, or someone who is meant to be devoted to a certain religious framework and dogma and realize that they find connection to the mysteries far outside the reaches of the church. Or somebody born into a certain gender that knows that their truest expression is outside of the binaries that are expected of them, right? There are many ways that what is truest and most precious in us can be buried like a seed in the soil of our life 
until it is time, until it is safe enough for that seed to break open and for those truths, for those that for that wildness that was buried there for so long to finally awaken. So I invite you here to start to wonder about what has been buried in your life, what that is most wild and precious and true, but was not safe yet, could have been buried into these little seeds, planted in the soil of your knowing, the soil of your life, that may be ready to awaken, may be ready to be seen, may be ready to be experienced in a new way. And remembering, too, that the seed, in order for the awakening of that new life, it has to break open. It has to transgress the boundaries that held it safe. That new life has to move beyond the walls that have kept it safe. This is a reminder for us that we are not naive, that we are cunning and knowing, and that we know that sovereignty is weighty. In other words, that that burst into new life also comes with sacrifice. It also comes with the breaking of containers that have held us. It also comes with loss, loss of containers that have kept us comfortable and safe, identities that have kept us in favor, um, ways of being in the world that have kept us um, quietly um, receiving blessing from our environment. Seeds are so small, and once they're planted, they grow invisibly for so long. They are still and silent for so long, they can seem dead. We can think that that life is lost. But one day when the sun and the air and the soil again uh, reach those conditions where it's safe for that life to break out, the seed breaks open. The edges that have held and protected fall away. The secrets that are held within the stillness and the silence spill out, and old worlds are destroyed, and creating and new ones are created, right? When the new life that are in these seeds awaken and break open, some of the bargains of disappearance and safety and smallness that we have made are broken and betrayed as boundaries are crossed from inside that little seed into the air and into the world. And we can begin to pay attention to these seeds because they'll make themselves known to us through disruption, through symptom, through emotion, through our bodies, through our dreams, through our longings, our desires, our pleasure, our imagination. There's so many ways that our souls alert us, let us know that there's a treasure for us where we thought previously there had been only fallow ground. Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves, gives us this beautiful story of La Loba. And she offers us this image of gathering 
what has been lost, what has been buried, and bringing it into the world and singing over these bones with love. This is that work of listening to the seeds in our lives, of listening to where things are growing from inside of us that are pressing against the shoulds, that are pushing against the expectations, that are pushing against the walls that may have kept us safe, but now are keeping us small. So I wanted to end this first episode with this story that Dr. Estes offers to us. There is an old woman who lives in a hidden place. Few have seen with their eyes, but we all know in our hearts somehow. And this old woman seems to wait there in this hidden place for the lost and the wandering and the seekers to find her. She is circumspect. She's hairy. She's thick of body. And she evades most company most of the time. In fact, she has more animal sounds than human ones. She's a crower. She's a cackler. And she's known by many names. The Gatherer, Bone Woman, La Loba. And it is the sole work of Laloba to collect and preserve the bones of desert creatures. She seems to specialize in preserving and collecting the bones of creatures that seem at most risk of being lost to the world. Her desert cave is full of bones of ravens and rattlesnakes and deer, all kinds of desert creatures. But her specialty is wolves. Day after day, she crawls and sifts and digs in the desert, looking for the bones of wolves. And each time she finds a bone, she carries it carefully back into her desert cave, and she falls down on the hard and holy ground, and she begins to assemble these bones. Day after day, She brings back the bones that she's found until finally there's only one bone missing, only one bone left before she can do the work of singing them to life. And she continues her work on the dry, hard ground of the mountaintops, the fertile soil of the valley, the loose dust of the dry river beds. She crawls and she sifts and she digs until finally she finds that last bone and she brings it again carefully to her desert cave. And again, she falls down on that hard and holy ground and she slips that last bone into place. And she lets out a big sigh at the labor that she's done and the labor that she's yet to do. And she looks at that assembled creature, its white bones glowing in the dark of the cave, and she sits down in her chair, and she rocks and she wonders what song she should sing over these bones. What song will she sing? And she rocks and she wonders, and she rocks and she wonders, and she rocks and she wonders. And when she is sure, 
She stands up on her powerful legs. She lifts up her thick arms over the bones, and she begins to sing with love over this criatura. And as she sings, flesh begins to appear on the thigh bones, the face bones, the rib bones. As she sings, the muscles begin to weave themselves together. As she sings, fur begins to sprout. The desert floor shakes because her singing is so powerful. And as she continues to sing, she watches this creature. And suddenly, the chest rises and falls in its first breath. And as she sings, she notices that suddenly, this creature's eyes open. And as she sings, this wolf, now fully enfleshed, jumps up into the air and runs free down the canyon. Laloba throws her head back and cackles with delight. And as she watches this wolf run, she sees something that may be strange to those who don't know, but isn't strange to those who know. Maybe because of its speed, or maybe because of the way the water splashed its fur when it jumped into the river, maybe because of the way a, a ray of slanted sun hit its side just so. But suddenly, this wolf is transformed into a laughing, naked woman running free into the horizon. And so it is said that if you find yourself walking alone at dusk in the desert, probably lost, certainly tired, you're lucky. Because Laloba may take a liking to you and show you something of the deep and wild soul. This work of gathering the bones as Laloba does, this work of listening to and noticing the seas that are breaking open in our lives, the containers that are breaking down and letting loose something that was buried long ago, is a beautiful work. And I invite you to continue as we enter into spring to wonder and ask these beautiful questions of what has been buried in my life and what is awakening right now. Sending so much love to all of you. I'll see you next time. I'm so glad you were here today. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it. It really helps us out. I'd like to send a special thank you to Caitlin Turner, who helps me produce this podcast. Please check out the show notes for a link to my website and other offerings. And also, I would love to hear from you if you have any ideas about what you'd like to hear us talk about here on this podcast. Thanks so much. <laughs>